Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and in this episode, we're talking Knives Out and Mrs. Lowry and Son, plus all the latest movie and trailer news. Let's get into it. Okay, so we saw two movies this week, Mm -hmm. uh, Mrs. Lowry and Son and Knives Out, Mm -hmm. completely different films in terms of genre and tone and performance and exposition. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's talk Mrs. Lowry and Son first. Overall, mm. this is a very bittersweet movie. Yeah. That was my initial overarching opinion. It's set in 1934 in Pendlebury in Greater Manchester, and it stars Timothy Spall as an English artist, L.S. Lowry, and Vanessa Redgrave as his disapproving bedridden mother, Elizabeth, who's just awful. By the way, she's a terrible, terrible human being, but has so much trauma, and yeah. you kind of look back into her life and her expectation, mm. and how that's marred her existence as an old, bitter woman. Yeah. Well, on the surface, you could say she was a bit of a snob. Oh yeah. I guess, but this movie is set in Depression era mm. England, and things are very grim and. It's more about that wanting to belong and that mindset of people losing the way of life that they had. Yeah. So she's mourning a way of life. She she is mourning. Mm. That's such a key word. She's mourning her son not being good enough for her. She's (laughs) mourning the life that she that she Mm. thinks that she deserves or had lived, but Mm. then got kind of gypped uh, for various reasons. Yeah. It's it's not a nice film in terms of its tone and how. The characters interact with each other. No, almost amusingly bleak. Yeah. If that's... <laughs> Is that a thing? Amusingly bleak. bleak? Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, because film. there were these really sweet moments. I mean, the movie is basically just depicting their relationship. Yeah. Her neediness for him, because she's bedridden, he has to look after her, mm. and his just obsession with wanting to please her and yeah. make her happy and have her be proud of him. Yeah. So Which there was is an impossible task. It seems like it, yeah. yeah. So there were these really sweet moments where the music swelled and you get 
sucked into this loving mother-son bond, which is a bit codependent, but still very lovely. And then it's just shattered by some awful comment from Elizabeth about how he has no talent or no woman's going to want him. or And yeah. you can't help but kind of laugh and then go, oh, that's awful. She doesn't hold back. And mm. I think it shows quite pointingly the effects of mental health because she was an unwell woman mm. and how one moment she was doting on her son mm. having those tender moments, like you said, and then blink of an eye, she's berating him mm. to the ground. And you just don't know what sort of mood she's going to be and what sort of vitriol she's going to spit mm. at him and how he just takes it. His skin is so thick. Yeah, he's so patient. So patient. But, I mean, he I mean, sees the world differently, doesn't he, as we as we realise throughout. That's an, a really good point, and that's what I really liked about this film, that they kept saying how he's a simple man mm. with simple tastes and he's just an artist and he wants to paint the world around him. So you've got this really grim working-class community mm. Uh, full of grime and industrial dirt, and he's just seeing the beauty in it. Yeah, yeah. Which is really lovely. Which he depicts in his paintings. Mm. Looking at this film as a whole, I don't know if... Do you know if this was ever a play? I think it was a radio play. A radio play. Mm. Okay, because it definitely felt like a play to me. Yes. That they'd adapted to film, and I think Mm. some of it didn't quite work. It didn't feel cinematic enough. I don't think they took advantage of the environment enough. Like, he's an artist who depicted his environment and the industrial nature and everything, and mm. I didn't think the town played a big enough character. Mm. Do you agree? Like, I, I wanted to see more of the town. I wanted to see those shots and him interacting with it, the space, and it, it was just very him and his mum in the bedroom most of the time, which is fine, but... I felt like it was reading a memoir. They're both mm. telling you their memoirs. It was both their stories from their own points of view. That is a really mm. um, interesting technique I wasn't prepared for. And breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. What did did it, I, felt, I felt a bit, oh, because I thought it was just going to be this standard drama, mm. but they added different flavours to it, which ultimately I thought was part of its charm, mm. that they did something different there. There was one technique that I really, really liked where they paused the scene of people coming out of this factory yeah. And then he sort of stepped into it to describe the colours and the wonderful things that he saw among the dark and dismal life that everyone was leading. It was like making us step inside one of his paintings hmm. or bringing one of his paintings to life, yeah. which I really liked. But at other times, in the end, they just completely went off style and brought him into our world by taking us through the museum yes. at the end. Yes. I found that quite strange. That was strange. It was a bit off. It was interesting, but it just broke with style. Yeah, yeah, that was a bit there. That, that was a bit strange. I'd already forgotten about that, mm. but I guess it just—it didn't feel like we were watching the movie anymore. No. You know, at the end, how they tag on, and he did this in his life, and mm. yada yada. I wanted to know more about him as the artist, yes. and I know that's ultimately the decision that the filmmakers made—that they weren't telling that story. Yeah, he didn't become really successful until after his mother died. Yeah, but I kind of wanted to see bits of that. Mm. I think the movie was quite short. It was only 90 minutes. And I think they could have at least had another 15 or 20 in there to kind of give him some space. I wanted mm. to feel like he had his life back again. But at the same time, when it was very short, they sort of laboured the point towards the end, oh, didn't yeah. they? I mean, some you get... the dialogue was a bit much, especially from her. It get, got a bit repetitive. You get, you get the point. Yeah. You know, they have a codependent relationship. It's not ideal. Mm. And it was really twisting the knife in 
how codependent their relationship was. Yeah. It, I don't think it needed to do that with such great performances, mm. but maybe that's because there wasn't enough material. Yeah, maybe. But they were just going off their, what they thought their relationship mm. might have been. Because mm. you get the sense that they were very private people. Mm. Well, because they didn't interact with anyone else. They didn't have relationships with anyone else other than each other. So to your point, yeah, I guess mm. there's not much source material. What would you give this... I enjoyed the film. I mm. thought the performances were great, but there were a few weak points in how they told the story and the scripting mm. and some of the choices that they didn't bring the mm. environment and the surroundings in enough, and then that really odd ending. I'd give it three popcorn kernels, just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to agree with you there. Overall, it's a lovely British film with powerhouse acting yeah. and a fascinating story, but like Lowry's paintings, I think you really have to look for the beauty among the sadness. Yeah. Wow. You have to look hard at it. Yeah, you do. Mm. That was really nice. <laughs> do you like how poignant that was? I did. Oh, <laughs> let's just wrap this podcast up in a little bow. Let's move on. <laughs> let's um, go to Knives Out. Let's go to Knives Out. So, Knives Out, Who Done It? Mm-hmm. Do you want to give us a little rundown of what this film was about? Yeah. So, it's written and directed by Rian Johnson, who's done Looper, Star Wars. Last no, Jedi. Yes, yeah. Last Jedi. And he's created a really clever whodunit. I would go so far as saying he's reinvigorated the genre. I wouldn't say he's, he's turned it on its head or done anything incredibly original, but he's given it an overhaul for modern audiences, I think. Yeah. So the long and short of it is mm. I completely disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to hear more of your position because then I think I'll be able to bounce off that. Okay. Not, not, not pick it apart, although I will, <laughs> but kind of just say my point of view... I want to be proven wrong in certain instances because I think maybe I might be a bit harsh. Well, okay. It's a murder mystery surrounding the death of a successful crime author, Harlan Thromby, played by Christopher Plummer. He was great. He was great. Um, And and his selfish, money-hungry family, who are Mm. also fantastic. The family are gloriously nuts and they're awful and I think they had the best dialogue in the film. Mm -hmm. Anna Diarmas, Chris Evans, Daniel Craig, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette, Don Johnson... You could just go on and on and on. Oh, yeah. Amazing cast. It's not your traditional whodunit. It's more a why done it. Yeah. That I did have a bit of an issue with. Right. Because it gave the game away quite early. Yeah. However, just mm. pause on that. I think it got out of the gate badly. When they had that little bit of a spin on, you know, it was probably in the first act. It was mm. quite early on, like you said. Mm. I kind of sat up and listened and paid attention going, all right. So they have showed their cards really early. How are they going to bring this together and what's going to change and be twisted and turned mm. along the way? And they just never delivered. So, really? Yeah. You didn't my, think they no. did? But I was very interested at that point. I was yeah. like, okay. I've, and then I've got to say, I thought they had the ending pegged, and I'm usually pretty good at that. But it did surprise me. The details of it surprised me. Right. I could see who they were aiming for, mm. but there were layers to it, which I liked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I personally thought it was really flat, and oh. I thought the pacing was really off. In the middle, it did. Once that's it what went I was on too long. That's what I was worried about when they gave the game away. I thought that's where it lost me for mm. a little while, mm. and then I thought the ending made up for it. Yeah. No. No, I just thought. Okay, these are my little one-liners. So I thought it was flat. I was waiting to laugh a lot more. I, I should have laughed a lot more mm. because the, how they marketed the film, the trailers were great, witty, quick. It was just a dragged out long trailer, to be honest. 
didn't have that oomph behind it. And I get it. It's in the genre and it's always usually really exciting when they do that big exposition going, I figured it all out. This is what happened yeah. along the way. Yeah. One, I felt that went on for about 17 years. It was kind of like, <laughs> and Ryan Johnson, I know what he was trying to do. Like you said, he was trying to reinvent. Oh, he was trying is it to do Ryan something. or Rian? Oh, Rian. I had no idea. Rian? I was like Rian Johnson. Ooh. I don't know. Listeners, please school us on how to pronounce Ryan Rian. I hope it's Ria because it's so much more interesting. Sorry, all those Ryans out there. Uh, yeah, and when it all came together, I thought, oh, I was ridiculous. I thought mm. it was just punching too hard. It was aiming too high. And it was just a bit much. And I think it just lost its way. And mm. there are some films and filmmakers and writers who are just so, like, it was his project, Rian mm. Ryan. He wrote and directed it. Mm-hmm. And it was just like he was just loving himself too much. He was, Do you know what I mean? Like, he's just trying to be too clever. It was a bit tongue-in-cheek, yeah. which I didn't think was a bad thing at mm. all. I will say that the critical reception that it's receiving is, out of this world, amazing, everybody's fantastic, and Daniel Craig is the best thing about it. I don't get that at <laughs> all. It was good. It was enjoyable. I was really entertained. Yeah. I don't think it's the best movie of the year. No. And not I don't by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't understand why Daniel Craig has been singled out because he's is it because he's playing not Bond? It's because he's playing not Bond. It's because he's got an accent. It's because at really random moments he's a bit quirky in it, which mm. I felt were just a little bit you know, in that moment in the but car he's no, where he's listening to the music. But he's and no I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? But he's no Hercules. Yeah. I just thought the standout was Anna Diarmas. Yes. She, her acting was phenomenal. Very She much. was sublime. Um, and Chris Evans was fantastic as well. because, yeah. And not just because he's not Captain America. <laughs> he's playing this rich kid asshole, basically. Mm. And he does it so well. But he also has the acting chops to turn on a dime. Yeah, he surprised me a bit. I, I just love Tony Collette. Mm. She's doing some great work right oh, now. Oh, she stole every scene, though. Yeah, she's, yeah, her character's nuts, but she's just so effortless. I don't mm. know. She's just a joy. I freaking love her. Mm. And although Jamie Lee Curtis was grossly underused, I think whenever she was in front of the camera, mm. she gave some life yeah. into the story. The biggest um, win for this movie is definitely the cast. Yeah, but I just feel like they weren't used in the right way. And, okay. Uh, yeah. They, they were great, though. They were all fantastic. I, I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Well, as we said, Johnson wrote and directed Looper, which is mm. a mind-bending film as well. So he likes to play with our perception, and that's something yeah. I really enjoyed in the film in terms of filming techniques. He has yeah. his signature moves, his signature style, and there's this scene in particular where two people are falling to the floor and you kind of fall with them, and that's very Johnson. Mm. The rapid panning, the sharp angles... All nods to the genre, mm. but also very much him. Yeah. One just random thing that's mm. popped into my head, not that they're similar in any way, but you know that hide-and-seek horror we saw a few mm. weeks ago and how I said that they failed in setting the scene and getting to know the space and mm. the house and everything. Yeah. And that affected your spatial awareness and all mm. that sort of stuff. But I think 
Knives Out really, really did a great job in bringing you into the character of the house and its surrounds, and it just helped you. It did help you piece the puzzle together because you had that context. Yeah, the set pieces were great. They had the big mansion with the secret passageways. Oh, yeah. The big reveal in the drawing room, all nods to that genre. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So how many popcorn kernels would you give us? Look, I was pretty disappointed because Mm. my little, you know, statement is that it wasn't a bad film, but it just didn't reach its potential. And I think that that is worse than being a bad movie because Mm. it doesn't quite get there where it should have. Absolutely, Mm. 100% should have got there and it just didn't. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to give it a two because it was just, yeah... Well, we're definitely disagreeing mm. on this one because I'm going to give it four. Oofed. I wish it hadn't given the game away so early. I thought it lost a bit of pace mm. for a while after that, but it definitely made it up for me with the twist and the ending and the incredible ensemble cast. So, okay. And the fact that it was an original movie, again, you get points in my book for just trying to do something, maybe not fully original, but trying to do something new. Yeah, I'm on board. Two verse four. Interesting. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Um, and the other new release of the week is Frozen 2. Yes. Can't miss that. So Frozen 2 is obviously the sequel to Disney's massive smash hit from 2013. That's quite mm. a while ago now. Mm-hmm. That took a long time to get this film out and right. Mm-hmm. It opened up in the USA to $127 million US dollars with a worldwide gross of $350 million, which is the biggest ever for an animated film worldwide gross. We're not surprised, though. Um, and it's still doing really big numbers over Thanksgiving mm-hmm. weekend and worldwide. So, yeah. Get out and see it. It'll be in cinemas for a while, but definitely get out there and see it. In news this Mm. week, so Godzilla vs. Kong, which is part of the MonsterVerse, has been pushed back to November next year. It was originally Mm. meant to be March. And this is because they're taking extra time to get it right. Kong Skull Island did quite well, but Godzilla King of the Monsters was a total fizzle. Mm. Didn't make any money in the US, so they need to get it right before the MonsterVerse completely collapses on itself. It's an interesting franchise because they kicked off with a remake of Godzilla which had mixed critical review Mm. and it made made some coin. They followed up with, like you said, Kong Skull Island, which I really enjoyed. Yes. Really, really great. And then it was the Godzilla King of the Monsters, Mm. and it was a $200 million epic, and it really did, yeah, fizzle. So they've made this big joint Kong versus Godzilla, and they're probably kind of like touching cloth at the moment. (laughs) Uh, Going, So I think it's a strategy in, yeah, maybe getting it right. They've probably got Mm. a bit of a doubt on their hands, but towards the end of the next year is where they're going to bank some more coins, so... Now, you love hearing about this Saw project, Chris oh Rock's Saw project, don't you? Oh, I love it. 
It's coming sooner than we think, May 2020. Yeah, and that's surprising considering we haven't really heard anything about it. They make horror films. You can make horror films really quick because mm. they're relatively cheap, so I think that maybe that's how they've turned that around. I'm very looking forward to seeing the first trailer to see what they're doing with the characters mm. and the franchise and the direction and tone, etc., etc. We've got a lot of news from the DCEU, the DC Extended Universe, this week. Yeah, their publicity team have been working overdrive. Yeah, exactly. So they're doing reshoots on Birds of Prey after mm-hmm. test screenings, which I didn't realise they were doing because it's mm. so close to release. February. February. I really hope they're not meddling too much. That's when things can go wrong. Meddling as in, like, trying to appease fanboys? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they do a test screening, what happens, and then they kind of start cutting and pasting and doing weird things and it turns yeah. into a mess. Yeah. So I really hope not. We, we cannot afford to have another Suicide Squad on mm-hmm. our hands or Justice League. We talked last week about Henry Cavill not giving up the role of Superman. Just yet. Just yet. But there's also talk that Michael B. Jordan has been pitching ideas for the mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Could he take over the role? He's been long rumoured. Yeah, he's a big guy. Like, he's got the physicality. If you've mm. seen him in Creed and Creed 2. Yep. And, uh, oh, Black Panther. He was the baddie mm. in that. Yeah, I would love to know what his ideas are. And I think it could be injecting a real different position on the character of Superman because he's been this white, all-American mm. guy for decades and decades. It's like, let's mix it up. And I think he would um, bring a lot to the role. Definitely. So The Flash isn't going to start shooting until after Ezra Miller shoots the next Fantastic Beasts film. So that's mm. pushing that right back as well. This has been in development hell. There's been mm. directors coming on, off, on, off. Mm. I feel like it's going to have been too long. No one's going to want mm. or even remember him as The Flash in <laughs> Justice know. League. And it's still probably three years away, if we're being honest. Yeah. Also, Aquaman 2 is going to start shooting in 2021. That's going to be shot in Australia again, I believe. Brilliant. Yep. Uh, James Wan's Very su- big surprise hit, made over a billion dollars mm-hmm. at the box office. We've also been talking a lot about the Batman film, and it seems like all the villains are being primed for their own standalone films. Mm-hmm. So they're really... That's standard. Yeah, I know, but they're really making a grand plan for this, and I think maybe they shouldn't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, the because... conviction in your face. <laughs> because... All these franchises are planning so far ahead and trying to do a Marvel and going, we've got this grand plan. How about you just wait and see before you get too far ahead of yourself and put all your eggs in one basket? The thing is, the DCEU does not have a grand plan. They made that very clear Mm. with the clusterfuck that has been... I agree, they need to release these films, see how they resonate with audiences, whether the characters are interesting enough Mm. or have enough oomph in their story to have a standalone. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll just have this huge, long slate of films that they have to embarrassingly pull from the schedule. This is the thing that they do opposite to Marvel, isn't it? That they do the joint ensemble films first, so there's no room for character development for people to connect with these characters, and then they do the single standalone ones and nobody cares, whereas Marvel did the standalone ones first Mm -hmm. and then brought them all together and everyone was cheering for it. Yeah. I'm surprised that they didn't go down that model after the failure of Justice League. Yeah. They're, ju- they're just doing, like, the next one is Birds of Prey, which is ensemble. Mm. They're making another Suicide Squad movie, which is ensemble. Like, we need the standalone. They needed to bring them forward because the Batman's not for another two years anyway. Mm. So, yeah, it's just all wrong. But having said that, 2020 is going to be the first year in a decade that there may not be a Marvel film at the top of the box office in terms of superhero earners. 
So, so you think Wonder Woman 1984 might trump Black Widow? Oh, for sure. Do you reckon? After the success of Wonder mm. Woman, mm. and that this is just such a completely different film again, like yeah. they're not just doing the same formula, it's completely different. Set yeah. in the 80s, it's going to be completely different visually. It's That's true. I don't know if Black Widow can pull it off. Oh, well, I reckon there's a headline in Black Widow versus Wonder Woman 1984. Mm. I, I think it could be one to watch. Yeah. I'm not convinced it's going to beat it. Oh, maybe we should place a bet. <laughs> first popcorn podcast bet. Yeah, There's a great uh, podcast called The Podcast Strikes Back, which I listen to, and they bet steak dinners. Do they? On, like, how much a movie's going to make or whether mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So, I don't know. Maybe we should come up with our own steak dinner I'll buy your, idea. I'll buy you a bottle of champers if Black Widow beats Wonder Woman. All right, we'll shake on it. Shake on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Done. Okay, we mentioned the BG film is in BG's film is in the works, but the same producers and the producers of Bohemian Rhapsody have secured the rights to do an authorized Michael Jackson film. Yes, I cringed when I heard this because I don't know if this is a good idea right now. Look, it's probably not, but I am a huge Michael <laughs> Jackson fan. I have, Why are we I have a tattoo. <laughs> I have a Michael Jackson tattoo. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. I have this idea very loose, like in my teens, where I think that the Michael Jackson discography should be told in a similar way to, like, Mamma Mia, where it's the music of, rather than tell a bio... Of him. Of him, because I just think it's going to be a very interesting, tumultuous film. Like, how do you cast it? Mm. Like, there's so much controversy. It's like, what angle do you go? His life was absolutely insane. Yeah. And you've got... There's probably three or four movies in his over his 50-year life. And it's going to be biased one way or the other. Yes. You're, it's either going to be he's the god of everything yeah. or he's evil. And, and because he's a state uh, of given permission, obviously that has to happen. So it's going to be skewed yeah. some way. So are we really going to get the authentic kind of no. uh, angles of his story? Like, is it mm. just going to be him in the 80s where he was, you know, untouchable? Mm. Or are we going to bring the story into the 90s where things started to go pear-shaped, although he was still an enormous star. Mm. Yeah, really interesting. Or are we going to go to the end of his life with, uh, you know, the This Is It concerts that in London that ultimately mm. never happened? Like, that's why I'm saying there's, like, three or four stories here. Yeah. So different to it. To there's a franchise other. Well, no, the fourth one is the bloody Jackson 5. So, and I can guarantee you a big chunk of the film is going to be about the Jacksons and the Jacksons mm-hmm. five because they are obsessed with themselves and they love the lens <laughs> on them True. and they piggyback off their brother's success and fame. Ooh. Like he released Thriller, right? Yeah. And then they went on the legacy tour with the Jackson five. Like Michael didn't do his own solo tour until 1987, 88 when bad came out. Like he was the biggest pop star in the world and they grabbed him and went on a Jackson 5 worldwide tour. Yeah. Like I, they can just... tell you, I can tell you feel very strongly about anyway. this. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> let's just watch this space and see what they kind of tell us what it's yeah. going to be about. So The Rise of Skywalker, the latest Star Wars film, which is out in, you know, 20 days or so, mm. the script got leaked onto eBay, if you can believe it, by a cleaner after the actor... Left it under their bed. Do we know which actor? No, we don't. I mean, <laughs> they never, know who his actor. They're never working but again. JJM was like, I'm not going to tell you who the actor is. And obviously, uh, so it turns out the Disney and Lucasfilm bought it back before it was sold and any real damage was done. Now, the security around a property like Star Wars mm. and this being the, the end of the Skywalker saga, like, can you imagine? Some cleaner got a big payday. I reckon. Do you reckon... 
Or you think this is an urban legend? No, no, I just wonder, like, what if they got a lot of money or what if they just shut themselves because, you know, Disney and Lucasfilm knocking on the door, like, I wonder how it played out. That yeah, sort okay. of stuff really interests me. Yeah. Pretty funny. I hope they got some coin out of it, to mm. be honest. Also, Elizabeth Banks is going to direct and star in The Invisible Woman at mm. Universal. I don't know how I feel about this because we have the Elizabeth Moss, The Invisible Man film yeah. coming out very soon. Uh-huh. Do we need to do another one? I wonder how they're going to be linked. Are they are those characters, Invisible Man, Woman, linked in any way? I don't know. See, I don't know. Are they going to talk to each other? This is, I don't know the um, IP enough or the, or the characters enough to comment, but in the story, is there an Invisible Woman? Well, there might be, but also, mm. like, I don't know. Can no, we, no, can we get some original mean. female stories? Yeah, yeah. There are so many out there. There are so many novels. There are so many women mm. with a good story to tell. Mm. Can we just do that instead yeah. of rehashing things? Well, to your point, like, we've got a new Little Women coming out. We've got a new Emma coming out. But Little are Women you... is being done very differently. Little sure. Women is not, and it has been a long time. Yeah, like the early mid-90s. Yeah. The Winona Ryder one. Yeah, yeah, since we got that film. Um, and the director of that film has seen Greta Gerwig's new film and said it's absolutely amazing. She loves oh, it. Real. And that she's done something completely different to her film, which makes me think awesome. I have every faith in Greta Gerwig. And yeah. She's a brilliant actress, filmmaker. As long as you're trying to tell something new and find something new, I'm mm. good. Yeah. I mean, this is literally just a headline at the moment. But anyway, I'm a bit bittersweet about Elizabeth Banks because I didn't enjoy Charlie's Angels, which she helmed. But anyway. Mm. And Downton Abbey has a sequel. No surprise there. No. The Downton Abbey film came out earlier this year in 2019. And they're just working. What they're doing is they're working on what the story could be, how it could all work and bring, mm. bring everyone back. Because I think they did a really fantastic authentic, genuine job mm. in bringing the characters back after the end of the TV series. So they're going to have to really find something big in order to do that. To further the Again, story. Yeah, to mm. further the story. In terms of trailers, we mm. haven't had a lot of trailers this week. Because very quiet. I know, you? very quiet. But we are expected to get Wonder Woman 1984 yes. trailer next week, Black Widow and No Time to Die Bond. I literally have chills, which is quite sad, mm. but exciting because they are probably three of the biggest releases we're going to get next year, mm. and everyone is holding their breath to see get a first look at them. I'm probably more excited about No Time to Die, the new James Bond, because yeah. we have spoken very... Extensively. Yeah, on all the problems that have happened and kind of the pressure mm. um, in the expectation around it. So I, I'm really keen. We'll keep an eye out because it's going to be an exciting last few weeks of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, so what's coming up next week on December 5th? So the animated The Adams Family, obviously about the quirky family and how they fit in with the conventional society. Great voice cast mm-hmm. in Charlize Theron and Oscar Isaac, Chloe Moretz, etc. So that one's got some good reviews. It's been out in America since October Mm. around Halloween. So, um, yeah, glad we're finally getting it. Uh, There's also a movie that's only being released in Sydney and Melbourne in limited release. It's called Where's My Roycon? And it's a documentary about this despicable lawyer and political power broker who also had a hand in shaping the career of a young Donald Trump. This guy is awful. When I looked into who he was, because I had no idea who he was, He was one of the 20th century's most evil men. I can say that with certainty. He was horrible. Is that going on his tombstone? (laughs) He was involved in what was called the Red Scare, which was calling out communists, finger-pointing at communists. 
um, and then also singling out persecuting gays in government, in the American government, although he himself was homosexual, but denied it completely. So he was just really awful when you think about Mm. it. I mean, internalised homophobia is a real problem Mm. and a real thing. I'd, I'm actually quite interested to to see this documentary to find more out about this guy mm. and what is what how he ticked. But also, it's just going to make you angry, isn't it? Yeah. So that's it for. <laughs> We've got oh. Adam's family and where's my Roy Con? Very very different films. Yeah, completely different. And that's also it for the podcast mm. this week. Uh, we covered Knives Out, if you like a whodunit, uh, with a bit of twist on the genre with some mm. original flakes in there, or a really intimate drama about a mother and son in Mrs. Larry and Son. Go check out those films this week. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.